Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a very good Friday morning, afternoon, evening to you. Joe Beningo, the Yoda Pain Podcast. It is Friday, and it's June 16, 2023. And the Joe Beningo, Yoda Pain Podcast brought to you by the Hackensack Brewing Company, Anita Discount Tire, and, of course, DraftKings. You know, very weird time right now. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit of a depressing time in the sports world because there's really not a lot going on. Basketball's over. The Denver Nuggets are the NBA champion. I mean, if you can get excited about that, good for them. Uh, the hockey's over. The the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights are the uh, Stanley Cup champions. Okay, great. Not a lot of juice there, right? But that's over. Um, and it's baseball season. The problem with that, and thank God, by the way, for the U.S. Open, which is going on right now, uh, Father's Day weekend, and happy Father's Day. To all the fathers out there coming up on Sunday, hope you have a uh, a good day. But we do have the U.S. Open going on right now, and thank God for the golf. And not only that, but thank God for the golf that we're getting primetime golf. How about that? Because it's at the L.A. Country Club out in California, in L.A., and so we're getting primetime. Like last night, I'm watching uh, I'm watching golf in primetime. It's tremendous. Big night, by the way, for both Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler, both eight on the par, shot 62s yesterday, setting records for majors in low rounds. And how about that? Unbelievable. I, you know what? And I have Bryson DeChambeau in my pool that I'm in right now uh, with my buddy Tommy Keenan, and DeChambeau had a good day. Three on the par yesterday. He's five five off the lead uh, going into round two, and uh, he tees off later in the afternoon. I think it's like almost uh, 4.30 or so. Eastern time for DeChambeau. So I get a chance to watch most of his round, uh, if not all of it later on. But, uh, you know, thank God for that. But how about if Ricky Fowler would finally win a major? How, how Coming out of nowhere, that would be pretty good, I have to say. Now, obviously, I want to see Dan, uh, DeChambeau win. I got, I got bets on a couple other guys. I got Patrick Reed. We got him at 90 to 1. He's actually two over right now. And then Cam Smith, I'm not sure where he is. And he was around even par or one under uh, when I looked, when I cut out uh, last night. I should have went with Dustin Johnson. You know, I I wanted, I'm looking at all the live guys, right? Because I I look at it this way, even though it looks like, you know, that live and PGA, the PGA are going to merge now going into next year or whenever that's going to take, you know, officially take hold. I love the live guys in, in the majors. I mean, we saw it. At the Masters, Brooks Kepka had the lead going into the last round. John Romp wound up winning it. Remember, Phil Mickelson finished tied for second at the Masters. Patrick Reed was fourth at the Masters. And then, of course, at the PGA, Kepka won it. 
So the live guys have done well so far in the two, you know, the two previous majors, and there's no reason to think they won't do well again. Although at the top of the board right now, as I said, we got Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler, who of course are two PGA guys. But wouldn't that be something if Ricky Fowler goes on and wins, finally wins a major after all this time and all the downtime that Ricky has had? That would be pretty interesting. Like I said, I got Bryson DeChambeau. He's three under. Uh, Dustin Johnson, six under right now. Can never discount him. I'm a little upset because I could have used Dustin Johnson here. And, you know, I just, I just, for some reason, he wasn't on the top of my mind uh, thinking about going into the U.S. Open. But we'll see what he does. Still a long way to go. Brooks Kepka, who uh, I actually thought would win again, is one over par. He actually was three over, and then he birdied the last two holes to get to one over. He's nine shots off the lead, but you can never really count him out when it comes to these majors. He does look a little, I have to say, and I know a couple people have told me that all he's done since he won the PGA back in May is party. You know, he was at all the games. He was at all the uh, uh, heat games in in the playoffs. He was at all the Florida Panther games in the playoffs. Obviously, he must live down in Florida. He's doing a lot of partying. And I got to tell you, looking at him yesterday, he looks a little paunchy. (laughs) You know, looks like Brooks put on a couple pounds, which I'm, you know, a little surprised about because I like Brooks. You know, he walks around, you know, very cocky. You know, you you like that, the way he plays. He plays very cocky golf. Right. And when you're not a very good golfer like me, you appreciate guys that play pretty cocky golf. You know, it's funny. Yesterday, while we're talking golf and nobody, nobody gives a damn, of course. But while we're talking golf, as I get the snot out of my nose here, while we're, t- while we're talking golf. So we played yesterday. My wife and I played yesterday down at Rutgers. Now, the last time I played Rutgers, I actually got a hole in one. My third hole in one. And on that particular, and we played yesterday with John Jastrzemski, JJ, and my buddy Kenny Scavaggio. Kenny from uh, Staten Island, oh, he really lives in Jersey now. But uh, so we played down there yesterday. Great course. Um, had a very strange day. You know, it's funny. I told you I had the hole in one. It's the third hole. It's a part three, obviously. It's about 135 yards, 140 yards. And I hit a real good tee shot. I put it on. And then, of course, as only I can do, I three putted for the bogey. My wife actually parted. I think she put it on and parted. I think JJ parted too. Yeah. I think you guys both parted, and I got it. Yeah, you you guys both parted, and I wound up getting a bogey. But the bottom line on yesterday, this is this is my yesterday to me is my golf game in a nutshell. Really, I started out the first five holes. I played okay, but a couple bo you know bogeys, double bogeys. All right, whatever. Okay, not an easy course by the way, and the greens were brutal. From the Seventh hole, I guess, let's say even the sixth hole, all the way through to like the 12th hole, 12th or 13th hole yesterday, I was freaking brutal. (laughs) No, really. I mean, when I tell you I stunk, right, I didn't get anything below a triple bogey. That's how bad I was. I lost like I lost four balls. Terrible, right? Terrible. My wife, I actually had to drive it pretty good. I actually wound up hitting eight out of 13 fairways yesterday because they got <coughs> five par threes as I cough up along. Five par threes on the Rutgers course. Great course. You get a chance to go down here and pay. It's not played. It's not that expensive. Beautiful course right in the shadow of the of the campus. You know, one of the holes, there's the football stadium is right there and all of that. But whatever. Anyway, so 
for about seven or eight holes, I'm playing absolutely, you know, garbage golf. No other way to say it. And then the last five holes, and this, again, this sums up Beningo's golf in a nutshell. The last five holes, I go par, par, triple. Then I get on a par three. I completely implode, lose two balls, and get a 10 on a par three. I don't finish the hole, right? After after you lose two balls, you say that's it. I'm done. Okay, all right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I've had it. And then I then on a par five to close it, I birdie it. What? So the last five holes, I go par, par, triple, ten, birdie. Right. That encompasses Beningo's golf game in a nutshell. Inconsistent to a fault. Beyond. Okay. <laughs> you can't even make it up. You know, my wife's hitting fairway after fairway. She's playing solid golf, right? And I'm, like, all over the place. Like I said, hit my driver good. Went back to my old Big Bertha driver. Uh, for a little while, I was using, actually using my wife's M2 TaylorMade for a while. And I wasn't hitting it great. I said, I'm going back to my Callaway Big Bertha. And I've been hitting a lot better since then. So, But nobody cares about this. But, you know, like I said, it's a dead time in sports. All right? It's a dead time in sports. So, you know, what can I tell you? And, of course, yesterday was an off day for baseball and all of that. But getting back to the U.S. Open, we'll see round two today. Like I said, at the top of the leaderboard, Xander Shoffley and Ricky Fowler, both at eight on the par. DJ's at six on the Rory McIlroy, who had a big run yesterday, actually started real well. Um, he's five on the par, but you know he not, he's not going to win because he never does. So, you know, yeah, this is typical Rory. He gets off to a pretty good start. And then we'll see how he goes from here. He's five under. I think Brian Harmon is five under par as well. So those are the leaders right now at the L.A. Country Club. Round two uh, coming up uh, later on today and tonight in the U.S. Open. As far as the uh, the baseball is concerned, we just had the Subway Series conclude. And, you know, it, it, look, it really wasn't a lot of juice. They split the two games. The Yankees won the first game. Seven to six as the Mets and, and Max Scherzer blew a 5-1 lead in that game. And in game two, the Mets were actually down 3-1. You know, it's funny. The second game of the series, I'm watching it on, what was it, Thursday night, Wednesday night, whatever the hell night it was. Wednesday, it was a Wednesday, Wednesday night. Watching the Mets game, right? And, you know, Verland actually pitched pretty well. Six innings, one run. The Mets had taken a one nothing lead. Verland gave the lead right back. It was 1-1 when he left after six. So he actually pitched pretty good. And Verlander's been very up and down. You know, Verlander has had some really good starts, and he's had some just horrible starts. Remember the start he had before the Yankee game? He went three innings against Atlanta and gave up five runs in three innings in that game that the Mets would, you know, have three separate leads and eventually lose 13 to 10 in extra innings, right? Ozzie Albies hitting a three-run walk-off home run. I think it was off Leon or whoever the hell it was. It doesn't matter. Right. So Verland has been very up and down. He had a terrible start member against Tampa where he got lit up. I, don't, I, I forget how many runs he gave up. He had that great start against the Guardians where he went eight innings and gave up just one run. You know, so he's been very up and down. Scherzer, the last two times he pitched, gave up a 4-1 lead to Atlanta and then gave up a 5-1 lead to the Yankees. So he's been, let's be honest, Scherzer to me looks done. But whatever. But the Mets come back. After they lose that game 7-6, they win 4-3 on Wednesday night, a walk-off double off the wall by Brandon Nimmo, who uh, the night before basically cost I, – I don't want to put it all on him, but with the score tied 6-6, dropped a very very catchable fly ball in center field that led to the winning run for the Yankees. 
And Nimmo's been great. I mean, you talk about a guy that's been played terrific. I mean, he's he's made catches all over the place in center field. And how he dropped that, I don't know. And the Met defense has not been good. I mean, look, the Mets are not good. They're four games under 500. You know, they haven't hit. When they pitch, they don't hit. When they hit, they don't pitch. And, you know, Alonzo obviously out for a month after he got hit in the uh, wrist by Charlie Morton. And, again, he got hit on purpose. I don't want to hear anything else. He got hit on purpose. Maybe Morton didn't meet to hit him in the rest, wrist and hurt him. But he got hit on purpose. Let's let's stop the nonsense. But be that as it may, okay? Be that as it may, all right? But the Mets pull that game out. Their defense has been terrible. I mean, a Met defense. We had, we had that game a couple last week, whatever it was, Lindor, the game against Pittsburgh over last weekend. When in a 2-2 game with the Mets with one out in whatever inning it was, easy double play ground ball to Lindor. He boots it. And it sets up a five-run inning for the Pirates who wind up winning the game 12-2 to or 12-7, to whatever the hell the final score was, right? The defense has been bad. Even the game the other night, even though the Yankees wound up winning it, that play would – I mean, the Mets wound up winning it. That play with Vientos where he – after he made about three nice scoops at first base, couldn't come up with what would have been a double play ball on a on a on not a great throw by McNeil. Then you had that drop ball by, uh, uh, by Nimmo. Oh, just just and some of the base running lapses. Even the game they won the other night. Remember, Nimmo uh, got caught between second and third, got thrown out trying to go back to second base. Obviously, it was a bad play by the by Cora, the third base coach. Was it Joey Joey Cora? I guess it is. Is the third base? I forget which one. Alex, Joey, whoever. I think it's Joey, right? Alex is managing the Red Sox when he doesn't send Vientos on a base hit to left field. And it really wasn't Nimmo's fault that he got caught there. But how about the third base coach sending Vientos home? But it's, it's so it's been all that kind of stuff that's been going on with the Mets. And then the pitching hasn't been good. I can't believe Tyler McGill's pitching tonight against the Cardinals. Why didn't they skip the start with this guy? Shouldn't Senga be pitching tonight? When did Senga pitch? Saturday? Why isn't Senga? So he's Senga's basically getting a full week off, which is a normal rest for him. Why isn't Senga pitching this game tonight against the Cardinals? We got to see the crummy Tyler McGill pitch. I don't get it. I don't. But it's 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 a very down time, especially when your baseball team stinks. You know, we're still two months away from football. You know, uh, training camp not until probably the end of July. So we're in a total down period. Then the, the uh, Jets have canceled their mandatory workout. Um, you know, for the for uh, uh, this you know pre uh, draft camp, not draft camp, but pre camp whatever you want to call it, with OTAs, mandate, whatever. Salah canceled it because they're playing. They got that extra week because of the Hall of Fame game. And by the way, I'm still waiting. Coach, I'm still waiting for that invite for golf, by the way. I got a long wait for that, you know? Maybe maybe my team will win the Super Bowl by the time you uh, invite me for golf, but be that as it may. So it's kind of a weird time in sports right now, really. I mean, you know, the Mets stink, and even the Yankees. I mean, you know, you're watching, you're watching the Met-Yankee series. Look at who look at who the Yankees are trotting out there. Aaron Judge obviously out. He's out indefinitely with that injury to his toe. I mean, it's really – I mean, and they're not really giving you a lot of information about it. But look at the Yankees who they're trotting out. Look at the Yankee outfield the other day, right? Jake Bowers in right. Uh, Isaiah Akina Falefa in center, right? Uh, Billy McKinney's in left field. This is the Yankee outfield. Billy McKinney in left field. Who are these guys, right? You know, Kyle Higashioka is the – I mean, it's just 
what's going on here? You know, I know Stanton's there and, and LeMayu's there, but neither of them are doing anything right now. Who's really doing anything? So, I, I don't know. It's just a weird time in baseball. The Yankees are still, what, nine games over 500? But how many, what are they, eight games behind Tampa? They're behind both Tampa and Baltimore in the American League, right? So very, very weird time in the sports world right now. I mean, it's kind of no man's land. And if you're not a golf fan, uh, thank God I am, but if you're not a golf fan, you know, either watching it or playing it or both, then <clears throat> where are you right now? Especially if you're a fan of the Mets, because I don't see it happening for the Mets. I know there's a lot of games to be played. You know, there's still 90-something games to be played. The eternal baseball season. Certainly things could turn around. Certainly with all the teams that make the playoffs now, you know, things can certainly turn around for your team. But I don't see where it's happening. I really don't. Uh, you know, the Mets, you know, how about how about Francisco Lindor starting to hit a little bit? How about him, right? He's like a strikeout waiting to happen. Terrible. How many times, how about the game against the Yankees? The game they lost 7-6, bases loaded, down a run, bottom of the eighth inning, one out, Lindor's up, and what does he do? What does he do? He strikes out, of course. Then Marte strikes out to end the inning, and the Mets lose. But Lindor just has not gotten the job done. McNeil hasn't gotten the job done. He's hitting the softest 270 I've ever seen. If McNeil's not batting 325 like he did last year, winning the batting title, 330, whatever he hit, then what good is he? You know? Like I said, he's a soft 270, 275 hitter. He's not getting any big extra base hits. He did it a home run the other day against Pittsburgh. whoop de damn do You know? So it's not happening. I mean, you know, you're a Met fan and there's no Alonzo, right? You know, you got to figure another two, three weeks minimum till we see him again. What, do you, what are you getting excited about? They're not bringing Mauricio up, who I guess is injured now, you know? And I don't know what what the deal is there, but why is Vogelback still on the team? I mean, he hasn't played for over a week, right? He hasn't played for over a week. Why is he even still here? Somebody tell me. Right now, the Mets' best hitter looks is Tommy Pham. He's been red hot. Tommy Pham, of all people. Now, he's got to play every day. So right now, I just – I. I you know, you're very, uh, you know, I saw something, uh, that's how I am. I'm like, uh, where's the excitement level? You know, there's really no excitement level at all. So let's get, let's get our sponsors here. They're exciting, right? The Hackensack Brewing Company is exciting. And you know the deal on the Hackensack Brewing Company. Now, before we even get to uh, breaking down the spot here, okay, week from today will be our next live podcast at the Hackensack Brewing Company. Uh, I tried to get uh, Tiki Bob, but Tiki is unavailable, so it will not be him. Uh, still not sure who we will get. I'm going to make a couple phone calls today and see who we can come up with for next Friday. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, but next Friday will be our next live podcast at the Hackensack Brewing Company. You know, and you know the deal. It's located just 10 minutes off the George Washington Bridge, 30 seconds off. Beautiful Route 4 in Hackensack. You know, the tap room's open 4.30 to 10, Monday through Friday, 2 to 10, Saturday, 12th day, Sunday. Uh, 78 Johnson Avenue in Hackensack. Uh, check it out. See Mike Jones and TJ and Andre and Herb in the Homish Book at Air. Make sure when you're there, you get my Ode to Pain beer. <clears throat> As you know, it is uh, in Met colors now for the baseball season. But uh, check that out. But anyway, next week, our next live podcast. Uh, and uh, I'll let you know who uh, the, uh, the guest uh, host with me will be. But that's coming up a week from Friday. Then, of course, uh, a week from today, actually, next Friday, uh, we have Anita Discount Tire and everybody over there, my son Johnny, 
you know, his uh, his boss uh, as well, uh, Ari, who does a great job there. Go see everybody over there. You need to work on your car. You need tires. You need the inspected your car, anything like that. Instead of going to Lodi, go there. They'll take care of you. Uh, tell them I sent you. Rivervale, New Jersey on Westwood Avenue. Go see the whole group over there. I need a discount tire. And, of course, DraftKings, where you can bet on anything. You can bet the U.S. Open going on right now, even though we're one day into it. You can bet the baseball. You can bet the futures bets on the football if you want to do that. You like the over-under on it. What's, what's the, I think the Jets' over-under is nine and a half. It's kind of low, isn't it? You know? They better win 10 games, minimum. Minimum 10 freaking games to get into the playoffs, this team. They better. Anyway, I don't. Who knows? I mean, I. You know, but you can. But DraftKings, go bet. You want to bet the baseball? You want to bet the golf? You know, whatever. I guess you could bet soccer on it. I guess you can bet whether the sun comes up in the morning. I don't know. You can bet the over under on what the temperature is going to be. You can do whatever you want to do. But DraftKings is the way to go. And we thank them again. They'll be with us during the upcoming NFL season, which is still a couple of months away, and we don't want to push it because the summer is here and we got the good weather and all of that. So anyway, all right. So now that I've wasted a lot of time, uh, <laughs> by the way, I, and I know, I, I guess I'll comment on this, okay? And I, you know, because I know that there's been speculation about a lot of different things with Craig Cotton now leaving the fan and all of that. All I can say is this, um, let's put it this way. If there was interest, I would be interested. But again, that's going back to what I just said. If there was interest, okay? Because I know there's been some speculation. People, you know, I guess on Twitter, you know, they want to see me come back and be back with Evan and all of that. Again, I'll leave it this way to everybody. If there was interest, it would be something I would consider. We'll leave it at that because I know people probably want me to comment on that. So I did. All right. Uh, Beningo with the uh, well, well, Beningo with the Odepain podcast. <clears throat> now, yesterday, in the old days, when I, you know, in the old days of baseball, June fifteenth was the trading deadline in baseball. Now it's July thirty first. It's a whole different thing. But back then, you know, for all the years when I was growing up and all through the eighties and all of that, I forget when they changed it. I guess it wasn't until like the two thousands that they changed it to July thirty first. But it was always June fifteenth. And, you know, the Mets have made a lot of big trades over the years on June 15th. Obviously, the Tom Seaver trade on June 15th, 1977, which was, you know, the, one of the biggest disasters of all time, trading Seaver to the Cincinnati Reds, uh, you know, for uh, Doug Flynn, Pat Zachary. Who else did they get? Doug Flynn, Pat Zachary. Uh, who was it? Dan Norman, the outfield, Steve Henderson. That was the, that was the trade. And believe me. There was no equal value there. And we all know as Met fans what a disaster that was. I'll never forget, because back then I used to get Sports Illustrated all the time. Sports Illustrated is not the same thing anymore. But back then I was subscribed forever to Sports Illustrated. And I'll never forget, after Siva got traded, that week in Sports Illustrated, the cover is a picture of Tom Seaver in a Cincinnati red uniform. And I, I basically was in tears looking at this. And that's how bad that was. I mean, it was bad. You know, so that was June 15th, 1977. How about June 15th, if you're a Met fan, 1983? Who will ever forget this? Six years later. And I'll never forget it. 
I'm on the phone with my good buddy, Larry Lasky. Larry, I hope you're still around. We haven't talked in a while. You know, maybe one day we'll get together again. My good buddy, Larry Lasky, right? And I'm married, you know, this is 1983. I'm married to my first wife. I think she was working and I'm home with the kids, whatever. I forget what the exact deal was. So it's a trade deadline. Say, get a call from Larry, right? I'll never forget to get a call from Larry. Bro, the Mets made a trade. You're never going to believe who they got. So I said, okay, before you tell me who they got, Tell me who we traded. I don't want to know who we got until I know who we got rid of first. Well, who do you give Okay, we traded Neil Allen, who was at an okay relief pitcher, and this pitcher named Rick Ombi, who never amounted to anything. Okay, those are the guys we traded. Okay, so we okay, all right, I, you know, I can live with that. Neil Allen, Rick Ombi, who we get? He says we got Keith Hernandez from the Cardinals. I'm like, what? Hold on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me let me touch my head here a little bit. You're telling me that we got Keith Hernandez, okay, from the Cardinals. Remember, the Cardinals the year before had won the World Series, 1982. They were the defending world champions. Remember, Hernandez in 1979 was the co-MVP with Willie Stargell. He hit like 344 that year, right? Okay? And I'm like, what? You Come on. Come on, Larry. You got it. Keith, how the hell did we get him? And that's that was June, uh, June 15th, 1983. So we went from the disaster of 1977 to the euphoria of 1983 and trading for Keith Hernandez. That was at the trade deadline on June 15th. And there's some other disasters, too. I mean, we could go back. You know, the Mets have made some brutal trades over the years. I mean, we could go back to, I forget the year it was, when they traded uh, a very nondescript third baseman who actually had been a good player for the Red Sox by the name of Joe Foy. They traded... The Mets traded a, a up-and-coming center fielder by the name of Amos Otis to the Kansas City Royals for Joe Foy. Foy was a disaster for the Mets. Amos Otis turned out to be a tremendous player. He was on all those Royal teams that, you know, were in the playoffs all those years against the Yankees with George Brett and all those guys, you know, 1976, 77, 78 against the Yankees. They finally won the pennant in 1980 and all that. They finally beat the Yankees. So Amos Otis was a terrific player for a long time for Kansas City. So that was a disastrous trade. And then, of course, the trade they made, what was the year they traded? Was it 72? I want to say, I don't know if it was at the trading deadline, though. The Nolan Ryan for Jim Fregosi trade, I don't think that was at the trading deadline. I think that was actually in the offseason, which, of course, turned out to be a brutal trade as well for the Mets, right? Nolan Ryan, who at that point as a Met, even though he'd been a big contributor to the Mets in the 69 World Championship, right, coming out of the bullpen for the most part, um, just it wasn't happening. As, you know, all the potential wasn't happening. So they trade him to the California Anaheim LA Angels for a guy who had been a great uh, all-star shortstop for a long time by the name of Jim Fregosi. But the Mets bring him to them, bring him here to play third base. And he was a disaster. And Nolan Ryan goes on to, well, we know what he did. He goes on to the Hall of Fame, right? He goes on to have... Uh, strike out more guys than anybody in the history of baseball. He goes on to have more no-hitters with seven than anybody in the history of baseball, and he goes to the Hall of Fame, and Jim Fregosi goes basically nowhere. I mean, he did manage the Phillies later on. I believe he's passed away now. So that was a, that was a, that was a horrible trade. How about the David Cohn trade? Wasn't that on, on June 15th when they traded David Cohn uh, to, uh, who was it, to, to Toronto for Jeff Kent, who, of course, turned out to be great for the Giants later on, and um, who was the outfielder again they traded him? What was his name? Oh, 
can't think of his name. I could see him. But whatever. I can't think of his name now. Thompson was his friend. I forget. Whatever. I'm, I'm sure everybody's saying, oh, everybody right now is hearing this. Saying, oh, Joe, come on. It was him. And I can't think of who it was right now. But the David Cohn trade, and we know what happened with David Cohn, right? David goes on. David goes on to win all these championships with the Yankees. He wins a championship with Toronto. All of that. Oh my God! What a disaster that trade was, right? <laughs> oh my God! Unbelievable. So the Mets have made some some uh, real, uh, you know, brutal, brutal champ uh, br- championships. Uh-huh. Brutal, brutal trades over the years. Remember they traded Jerry Kuzman for Jesse Orosco. I guess that kind of worked out because Orosco was a pretty good relief pitcher for the Mets. You know, he was the guy on the mound in 1986 when they won the World Series and, you know, the pennant in Houston and all of that. So the Mets have made some crummy trades. How about the Mike Scott? This is another one. How about Mike Scott for Danny Heap? How about that? Right? Scott, who was eh, an okay starting pitcher for the Mets. They traded him to Houston. He learns how to scuff the the, uh, baseball up, uh, courtesy of Roger Craig, and he goes on to win uh, Cy Young Awards, pitches no hitters. And almost single-handedly beats the Mets in the NLCS in 86, right? That was a great trade. I don't know if Scott was ever going to amount to anything with the Mets. So there's been some real dizzy. There's been some real dillies that the Mets have made. Obviously, the Gary Carter trade, that wasn't on June 15th either. That actually was in December. I heard about that on Monday Night Football from Frank Gifford. Gary Carter from Montreal to the Mets. Yubi Brooks was the principal guy in that. I can't remember all the other guys in the trade. But Yubi Brooks was the principal going back to Montreal. And, you know, so that turned out to be a damn good trade. Also, the trade with Montreal when they got Rusty Stop. Remember, they traded Ken Singleton was the key guy in that trade. And Singleton didn't really do much in Montreal when they got stopped from Montreal, the Mets. But did become a tremendous player and an all-star for the Orioles for many, many years in Baltimore. So that's just some of the, on a, on a very lackluster sports time, <clears throat> just reminiscing on some of the uh, the uh, big trades that the Mets have made over the years. We won't bring up the Carlos Baiega trade or the Roberto Alomar trade, which uh, turned out to be a disaster. And you know what? This Francisco Lindor trade, you know, especially at $340 million, you know, for Rosario and Jimenez, uh, who are doing pretty damn good for Cleveland now, we may look back someday and say, boy, that wasn't exactly the best trade to be making either. Because right now, there's no doubt that Lindor is underachieving. There's no question about it. But anyway, I got to run. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Enjoy your enjoy your day to all the fathers out there hope, uh, on Sunday. Hope you're doing what you want to do. Enjoy the U.S. Open. Enjoy the baseball. Yankees in Boston to play the Red Sox. Mets at home to play the Cardinals. Everybody, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Fan. All the love.